Welcome to this episode of the Long Overdue Podcast. You're listening today with Pat and Chris and Denise and Dawn. That's me. And we are talking today about folk tales and fairy tales. So what is a folk tale versus a fairy tale? Hmm. Well, let's start with what folklore is. Okay. Okay. Because okay. folklore, as the umbrella term, is refers to any stories that have been passed down through the oral tradition. And that can be from any culture. It can be any kind of story. Um, think about, this includes things like folk tales and fairy tales. It includes legends. It includes myth. It includes um, sometimes rhymes like like jump rope rhymes or nursery rhymes, I was just things thinking like about that. Those. There mm-hmm. are some songs mm-hmm. that are folk songs, be- not because they're folksy sounding, but because we don't know who started them. And that's really what it all comes down to is we don't know who wrote these or started telling these stories to begin with, but they've just been passed on through generations. So... The version we know, like if we were all to tell our version of Goldilocks and the Three Bears that we grew up learning, Mm -hmm. it would probably vary somewhat just because the people who told it to me are not the same people that told it to you. But the overall story is the same. The, the theme basic story, and the, yes. the lesson is all. Yes. Now, is or is there always a moral or a lesson? There's not always a moral, but because so fables are another kind of story that's part of this, and at, by definition, they always do have that moral mm-hmm. at the end. So they're generally shorter stories. They generally have animal characters, and they have that moral or lesson at the end that's clearly stated. Um, folk tales and fairy tales have some characteristics that are that are generally there. You have a very simple, straightforward plot. You don't have a lot of secondary characters. You don't have subplots. You have one basic story going through. Your characters are archetypes. There's the good character, there's the evil character, there's the helper character. So you, you don't have people that are sort of that in the gray. You don't have a lot of character development because there's just mm-hmm. not time. Um, the exception to that a little bit is those legends like um, El Cid or Charlemagne, the Song of Roland, where you have a much, much longer story. So... Um, there may be some character development, but even in those, generally speaking, the hero is the hero mm-hmm. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. There, there's no change. The, the hero generally doesn't waver on what's the right thing to do. The hero generally doesn't waver on whether he, and yes, generally they are male heroes in, in legend, um, whether he's going to take action to, to do what the right thing is. So anyway, even in those longer stories, there's not a whole lot of character development. Um, you might have repetitions or patterns in folk tales, like the fee-fi-fo-fum, or um, thinking about Goldilocks, the too hard, too soft, 
just right, too hot, too cold, just right, those kinds of patterns or repetitions. And then the themes are things like good versus evil, don't judge by appearances, those kinds of things that are that are kind of universally understood to be the right thing or the the good outcome. Um, so the one thing that's interesting is that um, the setting can vary, and so we we talked a little bit about how the you mentioned on my version of Goldilocks and and your version of Goldilocks and everybody else's may vary, but the basic story will be the same. And, and yet, there are uh, people writing picture books or, or versions of those stories that can be set anywhere in the world, that can have a modern or an ancient prehistoric setting mm -hmm. that can, can differ in those details and might actually say something about that culture or that place and time. But again, that basic story remains the same, and generally speaking, the theme remains the same. Well, and it kind of goes into like like the differences. Obviously, different authors have um, <clears throat> thoughts and creativity on mm -hmm. on doing a book on something right. for the differences. But when you're told a story, the image in your head is different. It's just like reading a book. Mm -hmm. The images that you create in your head are going to be different from the rest of you who mm -hmm. are sitting here right. who read the same same thing. So even if you hear the same story by the same person, right. what you envision is going to be different, and that's how maybe the variations get started. Of, you know, because you mm -hmm. end up telling it when it's your turn to tell it, you tell it just a little different. It it's kind of the longer story cultural variant version of telephone or yeah. gossip, where. You know, you have just a little sentence or something, and you whisper it to the next person, and they go down the line, and by the end of the line, the the message they got is completely different than what you started with, mm -hmm. and and it's a little bit like that. And if you think about um, the bards or the the skalds in Nordic history, or you know those those storyteller people, they they were heralded as you know amazing people they were they were lauded they were held in high esteem in those societies because they held the stories of the people and one of the interesting things about folklore is that you can learn something about the culture where it origin where a story originated mm -hmm. by listening to that story what's important what are the things that are at risk in that story? What are the things that are in conflict in that story? And you may not get very deep listening, you know, talking about a, a rather short folk story, but if you read a collection of folklore from a particular culture, you would learn a great deal from them. So, so there's a lot to learn. Thinking about that and thinking about, you know, obviously these started as um, verbal stories, mm -hmm. and then once the printed word came into play do you think that those stories have lost anything over time because of that you know it's interesting because there's a in I, I teach children's literature and as part of that teaching we we talk a little bit about you know folklore and fairy tales and where that came from and one of the distinctions we make is between variants and versions of folk stories. Okay. Variants are the different 
style of story or the different story underpinning, I guess, that you would get from different cultures. So, for example, Cinderella is a story that's told across the globe in various iterations. And many of them are very similar to the, the Western European, basically from the French is where, where mm-hmm. it, our version that, that most of us in, in like Western areas in English now know. Um, but there's a, a Japanese version where there's no fairy godmother, there's a talking fish. There's the Native American version, um, the rough face girl, which has has gained some popularity because, um, good grief, Rafe Martin, I believe, is the person who who made a picture book version of it that that won some acclaim, and it's there's a there's a invisible god, and the. The rough-faced girl is the the Cinderella character, and her two older sisters are invited to come by by the sister of this this invisible god to come meet him, and and come back and talk about him and tell what they they saw and what they saw they just made up because they couldn't see him at all. The only person who could see him was the person who was you know looking for reality and looking for the best and looking for the pure person and all that kind of thing. And it was the rough-faced girl. She was the only one who could see him as he really was. And and she and ends up being the, the one. So hmm. it's really too bad you can't see my, my hands when I talk <laughs> about this stuff. <laughs> they're all over the place. Sorry. Um, so that's a variant. So that's a variant. Okay. On the other hand, a version would be when we take a story we know and set it in a in a plunk it down in a different setting. So Cinderella, there is a there is a version called Bubba and the Bubba the Cowboy Prince. Okay. And Bubba <laughs> is is courted by Miss Somebody, Miss Llewellyn or somebody who owns a ranch and and he leaves behind his boot when he, you know, hightails <laughs> it away from the the fancy party at her at her ranch. And so it's it's a it's a much more you can tell that they started with a basic story and then put it in a new setting. So new people, new characters, yeah, kind but, of thing. But you can identify setting. Bubba's the Cinderella character there. Uh-huh. And Miss Llewellyn is the is the prince, the Prince Charming character. And and mm-hmm. so you can see all the all the parts of the story you know, they're just in a new place. Um, a a really popular version of this is um, there's there's all kinds of versions of the three pigs, for example, the three little pigs, mm-hmm. um, the three javelinas. Um, good grief, and now I can't think of any. So the, the um, three little pigs and the big and the somewhat bad wolf and the somewhat bad like wolf. Yeah. One. So mm-hmm. where you've got the the difference in perspective and and somebody different is telling the story, mm-hmm. the true story of the three little pigs that John Cheska and Lane Martin did, mm-hmm. where it's the wolf and and he's. He's got the whole explanation for what happened. He had a cold, and you know you can't just leave fresh meat laying there. And um, yeah. so, and 
so the three little dassies there there's all the kinds of versions of the three bears where it's the three snow bears or you know that kind of thing mm-hmm Every story you can think of, there are lots of variants and versions. So the variant is identifiably from different cultures. And, and who's okay. to say what the real one is, mm-hmm. the basic one? We kind of, we might be able to outline, here's the basic plot as, as we know we're going to find it in these variants. Mm-hmm. But to say this one was first or this one was first, you can't really do that because the stories kind of grew up. Mm-hmm parallel um but the version you can say okay this person wrote this basing it on this basic story they know and and put it in a new setting that they decided to to use as the way to tell their story well thank you for sharing that well and you're welcome clearing that all up (laughs) now we know the rest of the story So what are some of your favorite stories? And I know that one of the things we have to be really careful about at the library is being Western European centric, mm-hmm. that, that we can't have our entire collection be, if of all of the folktale and, and fairy tales that we have in our library, they can't all be Western European. We have to make sure that we are representing the global community. So I don't know. I'll just throw that out there. But <laughs> what are some what are what's some of your favorite folk stories or fairies? So oh I never did make that make that distinction. Right. So yeah. um, fairy tales have magic. Folk tales don't necessarily. And that gets a little iffy mm-hmm. because obviously Cinderella with a fairy godmother with a magic wand, that's magic. That's a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Puss in Boots. There's a talking cat, Mm -hmm. but there's no fairy godmother. There's no magic wand. The cat can talk. Mm -hmm. Nobody made him that way. Nobody cast a spell to make him that way. He just can. So that one, you could just say that's that's Mm an animal tale or a beast tale. Not necessarily. So I wonder if that would go the same with the Pied Piper. Maybe he just can. Mm-hmm. Like so, he just can control rats with he, his foot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is is it a He's magic? He's not magic. Boot, he just or can. Is he magic, or does he just have this ability? Does he just know which tone is just perfect? Maybe. It you know it could have some scientific explanation. Mm-hmm. There we go. He could just hit the right note. What? Um, we won't. We won't go into we discussions go into about science, science, science fiction. Fine. <laughs> okay. For this, but uh, so, I know so what you mean. So folklore has lots of lots of types. They're, the basic fairy tale is the one with the the magic and the the fairy godmother and that kind of thing. Um, there's beast tales where the animals are the main characters, and usually those don't have people in them, mm-hmm. like. Um, good grief. It's not the three bears because that's got Goldilocks. But that family is a that's a family of bears. They're not bears that live out in the mm-hmm. woods and hibernate in the winter. They are clearly anthropomorphized right. animals. Um, the three pigs. What? <laughs> I was just thinking that that's they just called them bears to be nice. They could have just been like really been really anything. hairy barbaric 
people. See? And they just changed it to bears. Just. But they're not barbaric. No. They're nice. They're... Goldilocks is the one. That's true. Yeah. yeah. With the bad manners. And mm-hmm. so. <laughs> okay. And the breaking right. and entering and... Yeah. 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 yeah, you're right. But they are hairy and... Uh-huh. So maybe they were just being nice to mountain folk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's a little bit like Alice in Alice in Wonderland, just just rude kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the version that we tell at my house of, of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, Goldilocks jumps out the upstairs window, breaks her leg, hopples all the way home, and learns her lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the lesson? Don't break into don't people's, people's houses. Don't walk into people's houses without permission again. I was going to say, don't fall asleep. <laughs> well, see, maybe there are multiple lessons. Right? There you if, you're, if you're going to commit a B&E, don't take a nap. <laughs> don't take a nap. That's where, you know, there's all kinds of valuable well, lessons. Well, did that originate in, in, like, in, in, in England? I mean, doesn't that have something to do with squatters' rights or something like that? <laughs> I'm going to let you... Research that, Chris. <laughs> you go right ahead. You know, there so, are people who the make their living doing that kind of research. Yeah. You know, that's that's what they focus on in their scholarship, mm, is, mm-hmm. is looking back at, you know, are there, were there cultural things going on that, that kind of pushed that story, you know, I don't know. It's very interesting. Uh-oh. That is really interesting <laughs> to think about that. Mm-hmm. What was going on to make this story? Yeah, come up, come about. Or is it just we want we want people not to be breaking into other people's houses? Yeah. So let's I mean, make maybe up they a had story where one kid that just happen. kept doing it. This one kid. <laughs> Maybe. I'm thinking now. It's like Although, I, I will throw this in. Generally speaking, folklore was not intended just for children. Mm-hmm. It was intended for everybody. So it wouldn't have been, oh, for these kids, I'm going to teach you this lesson. Mm-hmm. It would have been a story that meant something to the entire population. So, and my, my, well, What I underst- I've understood is that a lot of that, it, like we read stuff like that now as entertainment a lot of the time, right? Um, but during those times, it was instructive. Like it was it, the first pr- purpose of it was something you tell to children so that they don't go into the woods at night or whatever. You know, hmm. is that is break that correct? Yeah, or break into you people's houses. I, I don't know that that's original. Yeah. I think that that maybe these stories were. It depends on where you start with original, mm-hmm. I think, because there's mythology, which is very serious. There's legends, which are also very serious. But then um, there's there's poor quiet stories, the the why did this happen kind of stories, the the stories that explain things mm-hmm. in nature or right. things in the world and why are they the way they are. But then you get beyond that and. They're not necessarily serious stories. We laugh at the the three billy goats gruff trip trapping across the bridge, and and we laugh at the even though we necessarily shouldn't not necessarily laugh at the three little pigs getting the first two getting devoured, you know. But but those aren't we're not 
sitting here cringing and, and worrying over the fate of those pigs. We're, we're laughing at the fact that that third pig, by golly, look at that. He made wolf stew at the end. <laughs> or however your version ends. <laughs> right. See, my version, I don't think the other pigs really got eaten. Oh, did, yeah. they, did they get away? And yes, got away? they went, went to, the, to next. the next house. Okay. And then that got blown. Uh-huh. And then they the, went to the next house. The third okay. pig was the savior. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And what happens to the, to the wolf? Oh, he gets boiled. He, he gets boiled in yes. your version. Okay. He falls out. He climbs uh-huh. the chimney and yeah. drops That's down. it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So basically stew. All right. Right? <laughs> Wolf stew. Drops into the pot. Okay. How Chris, about you, you're, Chris? you're looking a little confused. What's your version? Yeah, I'm just being really literal-minded again. He's like, everybody in my story dies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, would, I like that the one the wolf eats pigs i think that's appropriate but i'm like what is <laughs> that's appropriate, that's appropriate. <laughs> what is what it, kind of lungs does this wolf have to be able to blow houses down he just can <laughs> well think about the size of a house that a that your average pig. pig would build yeah. yeah and it's just sticks or straw there's there's, no... there's not a lot of infrastructure there Mm-mm. so no. so yeah you can't be literal minded with yeah, folklore. I, just, I get, I get you too can't up on that kind of stuff you um, can't <laughs> so this is this is your fantasy willing suspension of disbelief kicking in here. You, you gotta have that, or it doesn't make sense. Which is why really did that troll build a bridge that allows for trip trapping? Because really, that's what disturbs him. It's kind of like that new movie, The Quiet Place, with <laughs> Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. As long as you're quiet, everything's good. But when you start trip trapping, well, I wouldn't. So why are you here? Why did you say? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a wooden bridge is trip trappy, even if you don't make it that That's way intentionally. True, so but that this makes... is a troll. Hmm, it is a troll, and he turns into a stone. So maybe he doesn't like stones, so he wouldn't have built a stone bridge. Hmm. Okay, yeah, you're right. It stone would be a wooden bri- bridge. Stone bridges would probably be more expensive. Depends on what you what your building materials are around you. Yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. The grass is always greener on the other side. That's the lesson of the goats. That's the whole grow. reason those right? those goats were going across. That's right. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I know we have a copy of uh I'm, I've mentioned it before of it's like a new like version yep. or iteration. It's one of those things yeah. <laughs> of, of the three Billy Goat Scruff, and I don't remember who the author was, but but he made it very like. At the end, the troll learned a lesson about how he shouldn't be mean to other people or other really? animals or whatever. And yeah, and he, you know. But <laughs> sorry to interrupt, but that kind of goes along with what's going on culturally with the bullying, right? You know, so culturally, the tale is changing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. fit the environment. Okay, go ahead. I just like it when the big billy goat knocks him in the in the water, and and you know, he. I'm I'm sure that he learned a lesson before he met his. Well, I can hope. <laughs> so, so he had made his peace with his maker before. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I shouldn't have made those goats. But he was, he was going to eat them. Like right. in this in this book, I think right. that it was emphasizing that he really wasn't going to eat them. He was just being a bully. But so, in the original story, he was going to eat them. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. To troll so their goats. Is this is this version you're talking about the one where where they're set in? 
like an urban mm, area because there I is the, so. the Emberleys, Ed and is it Nancy? I can't remember. His daughter, Rebecca? I don't know. Ed Emberley and his daughter, whatever her name is, mm-hmm. um, have done a version of the Three Billy Goats Gruff where they're living in a city. And it's not a bridge. It's the empty, the vacant lot where it's all trashed up and all this stuff. And and they end up, whoever the troll character is, they end up together all cleaning it up and it's all nice. And I think you're exactly right, Dawn, that these original stories reflected the inherent violence of the time of, you know, that's just the way life was. It was rough. It was hard. It was harsh. Mm-hmm. You you suffer the consequences of your decisions, and sometimes you suffer the consequences of other people's decisions, mm-hmm. and it's not pretty. And we want to make that less, because I don't think originally any of the versions of Red Riding Hood, for instance, mm-hmm. There were no versions of that where Red and her grandmother stepped out of the, the wolf's belly. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there were no versions of that where the wolf didn't eat them. There were no versions. You know, it was always harsh and it was always violent and it was always graphic. Whatever story you're looking at, and. And we we don't want that for our children now. It's like you you think about some of those versions of those stories, and there are people who say, oh, "Well, I'm not reading that to my child. It's just too violent." That's that's an interesting concept because I mean, just thinking about the three Billy Goats gruff. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking when Chris was talking that the Billy Goat, the third Billy Goat, was violent. Also, it wasn't mm-hmm. just the troll, mm-hmm. he, and he was the good guy. Right, we consider him the good guy, mm-hmm. and so it's like standing up, and he reverted to violence in the end mm-hmm. to um, finish the squabble. But we don't want that to be what we're teaching our children. Oh yes, that's what. So I'm not sure how prevalent these are taught in schools anymore. Mm-hmm. Because, and I don't even know if we actually, when I was growing up, if I actually remember hearing them in school. Mm-hmm. I remember telling them again to my sisters, and we would tell them over and over. My grandfather would tell them to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, an interesting thought that I'm not sure if I ever heard those stories within a school setting, because I don't think they are in the school settings now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if children are learning these stories my experience is they're not and maybe that's why mm-hmm. because of the violence maybe but there but there are lots of versions that aren't it's all copacetic mm-hmm. but they're not complete and utter violence there's something in between that that i think we could settle on that that would be acceptable to people but still be able to pass along cultural stories yes so it's sad to me yeah. to think a lot a lot of my students when when I get them they're sophomores, juniors, seniors in college. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have never heard the stories I'm referring to unless they've seen the Disney version. <laughs> which yeah. of course is completely mm-hmm. taken far 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 from any culturally 
relevant version. So even even Cinderella, which everybody knows the basic story, even if no one actually told you that story, mm-hmm. I think pretty consistently across our culture, people know the Cinderella story. But most of us, most kids anyway, most young people think that that the Disney version of Cinderella is the story. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask them to tell what are the basic things that have to happen in order for it to be Cinderella, they're going to mention talking rabbits and birds and mice that help out. And, you know, they're going to mention some of those things that are very specifically Disney mm-hmm. as basic parts of the story. Of course, maybe that's just that they can't, that's maybe they're not being able to summarize or to get down to basic plot elements, mm-hmm. and that's just a, a um, language arts, faulty language arts learning mm-hmm. that that they have they can't do that kind of thing. But. Well, now I'm really looking at these in in a different light because when you think of Cinderella, mm-hmm. you think of her being very pretty, mm-hmm. and the stepsisters being not pretty. And there's that element in it. Mm-hmm. And then the pretty girl at the end gets the prince mm-hmm. and that whole happy ending for your life and it's all going to work out. Um, I don't know. That's really interesting. It, it is because one of the things that even in the French version, which is kind of frilly and it's not, it's not the rough face girl where her face has been burned, where things like that have happened to her. Mm-hmm. But in that in that version the the impression you get is that the stepmother is beautiful the stepsisters are beautiful cinderella is beautiful maybe you know it doesn't matter if she's as beautiful mm-hmm. as them because the reason she gets the prince is because she's a really good person. Right. I always thought and the that reason the they ugly don't stepsisters was because they were they were ugly, ugly inside. inside. Right. Yeah. yeah. They were horrible people right and that came out yeah mm-hmm. as not not facially mm-hmm. you know appearance wise ugly but that ugly meaning mean and mm-hmm. and cruel yes and i guess the disney mm-hmm. version is what I've, I've got in my yeah. mm-hmm. my head right now that right they definitely made that visual on the outside mm-hmm. because you're right i mean she is a good person and, and they yeah. do portray that throughout the story so. right yep there's so many to talk about, and and when we've s- decided we were going to talk about this today, mm-hmm. we had talked about what's going to be our favorite or yeah. something, and it's like I don't know if I can choose <laughs> one to be my favorite, and then I started thinking, oh yeah, there's this one, and oh yeah, there's that one, and hmm. there are just so many to talk about. Okay. So Denise, do you have a favorite? I do. What is it? Um, it's La Llorona, which is a Mexican oh. uh, folktale. And Tell there's us a little. There's bit a couple that. of different. I say Mexican because that's that's the one, the one I know, you know. But there's sure. all kinds in Latin America and Hispanic cultures. Um, but La Llorona was a beautiful young woman that lived in a village, and she married a very rich, um, very rich man, and they were happy. They were in love, mm-hmm. and she had two children, and stories vary two sons a son and a daughter she had two children 
And he started spending more and more time away from home. And she finally wanted to know what was going on. And he had another woman who was up to his class because she had been poor and he was rich. Mm. And so he was going to leave her. And um, the woman up to that was in his stature couldn't have children. So he was going to leave her, take the kids, and they were going to be raised by someone else. And that was that. And so she decided that that was not going to happen. So she drowned her children, drowned oh. herself. Oh. Um, and her punishment was that she is forever searching for her children. Mm. And so she's seen around riverbanks. Screaming out for her children. Why would I have guessed that you would like a story like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's the lesson? What's the, is there a moral or a lesson in that? I mean, cu- culturally, what's Drown that? him. <laughs> Don't drown <laughs> Right. <laughs> hmm. I never thought that story was going to go that way. <laughs> I thought she was going to run away with her children before he had the chance to take them. Or well, something. and you got to consider the time and the culture. Mm-hmm. What was she going to do? Yeah, mm-hmm. without a man, right? Yeah, and there was no way that that was ever going to be right. socially acceptable. Right. Was for her to just take off with her kids, and she had no resources, none, no place to go. Yeah, yeah. and he and there and. There would have been absolutely no one saying, oh, you can't do that if he had just been like, these are my kids and this is my new wife. So, Mm. boo to you. You know, there wouldn't have been anything she could do. So, her only option in her mind, because, I mean, she could have lived in exile Mm -hmm. if she was. And also it was about hurting him too. Mm -hmm. Right. He loved these children so much. It was about taking everybody everybody down with her. So this is a good example of a folktale that isn't necessarily a child-friendly folktale. <laughs> so yes. When did you learn this story, though? When you were a child? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. like something that you'd hear on the news today, unfortunately. It does. So it's actually quite relevant. Yeah. It also reminds me of Medea. Med- mm-hmm. Med- uh, the mm-hmm. Greek... The Greek myth. The yeah. Greek myth. Which, and that she didn't kill herself, but, you know, Zeus took her away or something like that, which something. maybe that might be like the, that might be like the Disney-fied version. I don't know. She <laughs> might have killed herself in the original telling of that story. I don't know. Well, but in, but the Greek myth version, she's punished, isn't she? Is she? I thought that Zeus came and, like, took her away to. But like, I thought she would, he took her away to punishment, not to come live with him in Olympus. Hmm. I don't know. I'll look that up. I'll see what I can find. Yeah. Everybody gets so, punished. <laughs> so here's one of the interesting things about folklore, and that is that it continues. It it appears everywhere. So I learned this story, La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? I mm-hmm. think I got it. Um, on I think it was Grimm, the TV show. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Set in Portland, and there's all they the the guy finds out that. All these creatures from Grimm's fairy tales really do exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the stories was about this woman that, he, that 
people keep seeing on this riverbank. And it's her. And they have to do something to get her to... I don't think they solve her, you know, fix her issue. I think they just move her somewhere else. Yeah. Because there, what, how there can is they do no that? fixing the issue. She's cursed. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Her, and it's always a cautionary tale in the sense that if you do tell a child this, it's, you know, she's going to come get you. Because she's searching for her children. Uh-huh. If she finds oh, her yeah. child. Oh, yeah. Then that's her child. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a so. ghost story, too. Absolutely. For the, in that regard. Yeah. That. I'm still having trouble processing this whole thing. I'm going to have to take time to actually think about this story. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not going to happen in this podcast. All right. I mean, that's the kind of. All right. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. Thanks, Denise. <laughs> thinking about that for days. So what do you got, Chris? Um, You know, like my favorite? Yeah. I don't know. Do I have a favorite? I mean, I, you know, I guess I know all the like, you know, the classics and stuff. We were talking about different cultural, mm-hmm. um, you know, stories, and I used to read a lot of different, uh, like Japanese folk tales and and things like that, and Chinese folk tales, mm-hmm. and some of them are really short, and and I mean, they're just really fascinating to read. But a lot of it, it looking back on it, I always think. Uh, do I really understand the story since I'm not in the same cultural context? Mm-hmm. Because there's all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff about, like, this, you know, there's this guy that, there's, there's like an ogre that's bothering a village or something like that, and this guy's trying to get past the ogre or defeat the ogre or whatever, and he, like, takes a, lo- a pole that's longer than the ogre's arms and holds it between the ogre and himself, mm-hmm. and the ogre's not smart enough to figure out that you can just <laughs> go around the stick. Go around the stick. And that's like that's the story. He defeats the ogre with the sti- the long stick, and hmm. and that's it. Or like there's the the one about how like there's a, a how carrots were created or something like that. Okay. And it was like a wandering monk who uh, I think he saw that a village needed you know something, so he cut off all his fingers and stuck them in the ground, oh. and oh, wow. those became the first carrots. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Yeah, just stuff like that. But that's wow. like all that's this that's the story. There's no like lesson or. Well, or and anything, that's, you and, know. and that's that's the way it is. That's okay. It doesn't. And the story, I mean, the the lesson there in the in the monk story is that there are good people in the world willing to sacrifice to mm-hmm. to help others. To and the, the story that you know, the lesson about <laughs> the the ogre is there's more than one way to solve a problem, mm-hmm. and sometimes you know, it's the easiest yeah, way. Sometimes it's the easiest possible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and whatever you're facing may not try to come back at you with every possible thing you can think of. Mm-hmm. Just try the easy thing and see if it works, or try the most the the most the simple thing, not easy mm-hmm. necessarily, but simple. Right. So. See, and I could see a religious connection with the the carrot story mm-hmm. that you know believe and have faith. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want to cut my fingers off and plant them if I was hungry, believing that they would grow into well, carrots. Well, it wasn't him hungry. It was he was feeding the other people. people. It was something like that. Yeah. I don't remember it exactly. It's been a long time. But <laughs> no, the, another okay. thing about those stories is a lot of them had a lot of those same kind of tropes. Like if I read one about 
this guy cutting off his fingers, then another one was about somebody somebody else, you know, doing something similar. Yes. And the thing, there was, like, always something with ogres, and maybe in this one it's a stick, and this other one it's a hat. But they, there was a lot of these stories mm-hmm. that, and they might have yeah. been the different different takes or different iterations that had mm-hmm. that had uh, developed throughout time, but they would all be in this one book. And so yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's just like that other story I read, like, two pages ago, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and the other thing you might you know, that that you can look at with that kind of thing is, again, if you read a collection of stories from a particular culture, what does that say about that culture? It says that sacrifice for the common good is mm-hmm. important. It says try the simple solution. It, you know, it it gives you some, some insight into who those people are, right. especially if you see those same things over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, all right, that's exactly what, what folklore is all about. And, I mean, I guess, you know, Putting it into another into the context that I do know, I know that like, you know, not everybody in those time periods had could afford weapons, or you know, not mm-hmm. everybody had something like that. But a stick, like, yeah, from what I understand, like everybody, you know, would carry a stick because it's long and you can, you know, you can poke people with it and it makes it a little, a little less uh, enticing to just mug somebody that's got mm-hmm. a big a big stick. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. so, carry a so maybe stick. that's part of the lesson too. Always be sure to have your have your, your stick. Have, have your, your stick. Have your stick. You know? Be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't know. I like I like stuff like that, but I like a lot of the modern stuff too, because um, that's what I was thinking of. Is like all the the iterations, and I don't I haven't read like a lot of the different like YA stuff that comes out, mm-hmm. but. But one of my favorite things is the Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters movie. Oh yeah, I watch oh, that every every uh-huh. October. Really? Yeah, with oh, Jer- Jeremy Renner right? and, uh, and oh, who is that? Jim Jim uh, or uh, Jim Waters? Jim? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, they That's fight. You know, they it's Hansel and Gretel, and they they burn their first witch, just like in the. In the, story. in the story, I don't know what how they tell it nowadays because that is pretty violent. <laughs> that reminds me of um, series of books for like middle elementary grade kids, third, fourth, fifth grade. Um, the Adam Gim- Gidwitz, Hansel and Gretel, Grim Grim Brothers or Grim Sisters, sisters. Grim Sisters. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is Grim Sisters, but. Like the first one, it seems like, I think it's the first one, it seems like it's going to be Hansel and Gretel, but it goes all over the place. Like it incorporates things from a number of well-known fairy tales or folk tales. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of people out there who are using these not just in the usual way, you know, not just this straightforward story or we're adding to this story alone it's um it's we're going to pull in concepts or we're going to pull in characters or conflict or whatever from a bunch of stories it's Gemma Arterton Arterton, Arterton. Yeah. I, that's yeah Waterston Arterton <laughs> <laughs> really close Sounds not close. at all but yeah that definitely is not for children yeah so I'm going to have to watch that because Hansel and Gretel was one of my favorites. Really? Yeah. It, and I heard it when I was really young and it was a little scary to me. Yeah. Um, but it it just stuck with me and it was just, 
Mm-hmm. I guess I, I like scary stuff. Anyway. I did like that when I was a kid. <laughs> I remember watching a cartoon of that one that that I we rented from I think our local library when we lived in Denton when I was a child, and it had a bunch of grim stories like that. Okay. And uh, and I always thought that the mom was the witch. Oh. Like because she was telling like in that in in that the. The the mom told the dad that she that he had to take the kids mm-hmm. out and get rid of them because I guess they couldn't take care of them anymore yeah. or she had her own agenda or something like that. And then when the, when the kids finally came back, when the da- you know and they and the dad found them and everything, you know, the dad explained that the that the mother had left and she was gone. So I was like, oh, the mother's the witch. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, wow, <laughs> that's interesting. I drew really I drew is. that connection. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I do like that one. Okay. See, in, in thinking about these, I wanted to go back and read them to make sure that I knew mm-hmm. a little bit more about them. And mm-hmm. I don't remember the mother in my version. Uh, you know, the whole setup of it okay. and all. Uh-huh. The main thing I remember is the kids going walking out. I don't think I could have told you before I reread it mm. why they were out and trying to find their way home. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to think too whether I would have thought it was a stepmother who didn't want the children around, or I I know I thought it was the mother who precipitated the children leaving, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't know whether I thought it was a stepmother who didn't want the children's responsibility, or it was their mother, but but she had come to the realization that they couldn't take care of them, so they had to go, which still doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. but. Things don't have to make sense in folklore. <laughs> Drop them off in the woods. Yeah, they'll be exactly. fine. They'll be fine. They're smarter than you, though. So yeah. <laughs> but it, it goes back to the the retelling mm-hmm. to the generations of how things can be forgotten. Yeah, and how things would change right. based on that. So right. Very good one. I think my favorite folk tale, fairy tale. It's it's a Scandinavian version of I guess Beauty and the Beast. It's it's east of the sun and west of the moon. And other I've seen other versions of it, iterations of it, whatever, that that are Snow White Snow White and Rose Red. And it's two sisters and one mm-hmm. of them ends up having to go as kind of kind of the the payment for something that that has been given to the family. And she goes and lives in this castle way up in the Arctic Circle or in the frozen north or whatever. And the the master of the castle is a bear, mm-hmm. a, a polar bear. But what she learns is that at night he turns into a prince, but only during the night. So there's a little bit of that lady hawk kind of thing mm-hmm. kind of a little yeah. shrek thing going on there too yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah um so but it's it's kind of a beauty and the beast but kind of not exactly like that story that we think we know yeah <laughs> thank you disney um but i think that's my favorite story i've i always enjoyed reading like norwegian folk tales and those kind of things one of the things i did when i was a kid is at my school library, I remember they had this whole set of books that, from my white perspective, I thought kind of covered the globe. 
but of course they didn't cover the globe. Mm-hmm. But um, they had folklore and fairy tales from X place, whatever whatever country. And it was a collection of stories from that country. And I read that entire series. Most of them were European. There were Japanese and Chinese, I remember. And I think there was a Korean. But otherwise, there were, you know, there was Russian. But most of those stories are still kind of Eastern European Mm -hmm. rather than Asian. Um, But I don't remember any... Latin American, any um, African countries. I'm not even sure there were Mexican stories. You know, our our neighbor right there, Mm -hmm. and I grew up in central Texas, so it wasn't that far to Mexico, but I still don't remember that. But I read every one of those, and just I liked stories like that. Mm -hmm. But I think my favorite are are the Norwegian stories, and East of the Sun and West of the Moon has to be it. So I think my favorite folk tale, if I'm getting my terms right, <laughs> would be Rip Van Winkle. Oh, now, okay. Let's talk about that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, let's do. Because I don't know if I remember the whole thing. There's certain pieces that stick out okay. to me, and I'm thinking to myself, why did I really like that? But it was okay, one that Okay, now stood there, out. there are folk tales that talk about people who fall asleep and wake up X number mm-hmm. of years later or in a different place or time or something. Okay. Rip Van Winkle was specifically written by Washington Irving, so it's not folklore. Mm. Oh. It's modern fantasy. Mm-hmm. Oh. How about that? Because <laughs> nice. that name had uh-huh. not ever been given to a character before, and those specific set of circumstances weren't part of the, the folklore. Those were okay. his story. That was his story. I'm pretty sure that's true. I didn't just make that up. (laughs) Wow. I would have so so thought that was a folktale. Well, it has characteristics of Uh folklore. But we know who the author is. Right. So we we know who the author is, so it's not folklore. It's just like, think about all those Hans Christian Andersen stories Mm -hmm. that we think of as folklore. The Little Match Girl and the Little Mermaid and the Steadfast Tin Soldier those don't have basis in oral tradition. Those are original stories by Hans Christian Andersen. Hmm. As far as we can tell, I mean, there's no evidence mm-hmm. of, obviously there are stories about mermaids mm-hmm. right. in folklore, but that story... Specifically? Yeah. It's, it's the part of modern fantasy that's considered modern fairy tales or mm-hmm. something like that, but... Yeah. It's modern fantasy because we know who wrote that story. Wow. And that's different from um, Paul Zielinski's Rapunzel because he's not making up the story. He's Mm -hmm. retelling it and doing illustrations to give it a certain feel or a certain flavor, but he didn't make up the story. He just tweaked it here and there. Fascinating. Yeah. But I love Washington okay. Irving. Right. Yeah. Obviously, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, what about the Ugly Duckling? Yeah. Okay. That's folklore. Definitely. That's, that was one of my favorites. And 
probably Rumpelstiltskin, not Rapunzel, but Rumpelstiltskin was my favorite. Okay. And then I always like the stone soup. You know, that's an interesting one that that is completely a realistic story. There aren't very many entirely Mm -hmm. realistic Mm -hmm. folk tales. But that one is, if you think about all that is, is whoever comes into the town and nobody wants to share, they trick them into sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all that is. And they don't eat magical food. They eat the real food that people finally end up tossing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something you don't see very often, an entirely realistic folktale. <laughs> so uh, this is a, an, a question I have uh, because one of the versions is cactus soup, mm-hmm. which obviously is a cultural mm-hmm. um, tie-in. But I'm curious if that is really a cultural uh, folktale in Mexican not that I know of. History. Okay. So it's just trying to so give a difference. this is a version, mm-hmm. not okay. a variant. Okay. Not Putting that that it really into matters the... to anybody. But <laughs> it it's a modern author's retelling of Stone Soup rather than a modern author's picking up a cultural variant and illustrating it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So Eric Kimmel took the story of stone soup right put it in a southwestern and mexican setting mm-hmm. right and retold it he didn't hear from a person in mexico or in new mexico or arizona oh this is the story as i learned it practice and then hmm. oh it. see okay i see what you're saying okay makes sense mm-hmm so one of the others that we we have here at the library, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's it's not necessarily one of my favorites, mm-hmm. but um, it's a um, more of a Native American uh, mm-hmm. folk tale. It's called Raven, and it just talks about how Raven came to be, and you know, culturally has some significance. Mm-hmm. But we've recently gotten the. Um, yeah. Videos of those we have from Canada, right? They are from Canada. Canada. And this is this particular story, Gerald McDermott says it's from the Pacific Northwest. So Yes. So that area. Yep. So anyway, I think that they for the, the kiddos it would be a a good way to be introduced into that kind of a culture hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Okay tales and and that so so there are this reminds me that there are some authors illustrators who really focus on folklore Mm -hmm. and this is their thing and Mm -hmm. they've done some really great work and Gerald McDermott is one of those he um, has focused on Native American or um Native Native Peoples Let's let's just broaden it to that. Native people, stories of native peoples. Um, he passed away just a just a few years ago, but during his lifetime, he did some some amazing stuff, including um, I know an, an Aztec story 
to the Pacific Northwest, to the, the Middle West and some of those. Um, I think he did some Anansi stories from, from Africa. Um, but he, tr he worked very hard to make sure that his artwork in those stories was culturally appropriate and, and mm. had some links to the, the culture, cultural artwork from that place, wherever the story came from. Mm -hmm. um, another person who did a lot of Native American stories is Paul Goble, G-O-B-L-E, and his specifically are Native American, but he pulled stories from a number of tribes across this country and um, retold those in interesting ways. The Girl Who Loved Wild Horses and some things like that that are that are really, really well told. Not such great artwork as Gerald McDermott because that, that was not his focus. His focus was much more um, as a... Is it anthropologist? Oh. An mm-hmm. Yeah. Anthropology? So his was much... His focus was much more about the culture themselves, not mm -hmm. the art. Okay. So they're illustrated books, but... But it's really for him about the, the story itself, about the retelling and the the message kind of that mm -hmm. that story passes on. But anyway, both of those are really, really well done. So my favorite fable mm -hmm. is about, is it the fox and what is it? The grapes? Yes. Fox and the, the grapes. The stork, yes. Uh-huh. So where he tries to be tricky, which the fox is, and um, keep his friend from being able to eat, mm -hmm. you know, invites his friend over, uh, the stork, and then the stork says, well, I'm going to get you, and invites the fox over to eat and tricks him, and um, the fox can't eat. So the stork tries to feed him out of the a glass that has a narrow opening and is really tall so his beak can reach into it, but mm. the fox can't get his hand into it. Um, and I might might have mm -hmm. heard a version of this where it was a monkey. Where they Anyway, they tried to put their paw or their yeah. hand down into it and stuck. couldn't get it out unless they dropped them and mm -hmm. pulled their hand, mm -hmm. hand up. So what was the moral to that story? <laughs> Don't be mean to your Don't friends. Don't be mean to your friends. What does Paul Galdon say is the moral to this? Right. Story. Oh, tricksters cannot complain when they, in turn, are tricked. There you go. Hmm. hmm. I don't know why that was my favorite. It was just <laughs> one of those ones that stuck in my head for whatever mm -hmm. reason. So. Well, one of the things I really enjoy is the some of the different versions that are out there. Um, Jan Brett is another one of those. Yes author illustrator people who has done some really interesting things with um, folklore and she she for a while was really focused on Scandinavian and Western European but then kind of broadened her horizons and has done some um, some things with African folklore and also setting some of the other stories that we know as more traditional Western European mm -hmm. in an African setting. Um, so she's done a lot of research and that kind of stuff. Her illustrations are just beautiful. She does realistic but really brightly colored and 
Yes. Um, really, really nice artwork on her things. One of the stories that I use in my class when I teach this unit is the little red hen. Okay. Which mm-hmm. <laughs> has never been one of my favorite stories. I don't like it. It's kind of boring. <coughs> but there are some really cool versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites is Armadilly Chili by Helen Ketterman. And in this version, it's a Southwest setting. So instead of the hen and the dog and the pig and the, the cat and the, the duck or whoever the animals are that won't cooperate, um, it's a tarantula and a, and a horny toad and some, some other Southwestern kind of creature. And instead, of course, of making bread, she's making chili. And it's, it's just this whole new setting. Um, there are several versions of the little red hen that are that are some a little more close to the original story, and some that go pretty far afield. But I think there's one about the Hanukkah matzo ball, or something like that, or just the the Passover matzo ball, or something like that 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 just goes all over. There's um, one about a pizza. So I got confused for just a second uh-huh. because I was thinking of the sky is falling, chicken little, chicken, chicken little, and not oh the little red hen, the little red hen okay. where she's cooking something and nobody wants to help. Okay, and at the end they want to share. Yeah, yeah. So it's always kind of interesting to me. Again, how do you end that story? Yes, you can do. You say, uh, "Sorry, this is my food." So, one of the things I like about Armadilly Chili is her little repeated phrase is, "No cooking with Billy, no sharing the chili." (laughs) That's what she says, and so she says that all along. And then when they all come, you know, oh, that smells so good, and blah blah blah. She says, "No cooking with Billy, no sharing the chili." So she's sitting there all by herself eating her chili, thinking something is missing. And then the friends all come bringing something. So one of them brings cornbread, and one of them brings something to drink, and one of them brings brownies for dessert, and you know mm-hmm. that. So they all come and they they apologize, and so they all sit down and they share the chili, but they also share all the things that they brought. Yes. So it's she's a hard line, but then everything's all good at the end. There's another version that I really like. It's also a Southwest setting. It's called Manana Iguana. Yes, I like that one. So yeah, the iguana decides that they that they should throw a party, and and there's the there's snake and ah, uh, great tortoise. I know is one of them. Turtle, uh, rabbit, and maybe one other. Um, but the iguana is going to throw a party, throw a fiesta, and all the other animals. So you know that she says, okay, we need to. Send out the invitations, and they'll say, well, I don't have time to help you right now. Or the the snake says, yeah, the (laughs) snake says, well, I'd help you, but I don't have arms. So, (laughs) you know, manana iguana, and that's that's kind of the thing that they keep saying to her. And at the end, manana, the, the iguana throws the party. They're not invited, 
but they're all out on the outskirts kind of watching everybody have fun. And so the party's over, Iguana goes to sleep, and the friends decide that they should should help clean up, and they clean it all up. So when Iguana comes back to start cleaning up, everything's already done, and her friends apologize. So they didn't get to come to the party, but they figured out they'd done something wrong, they helped out, and they're all friends again. So there's still that hard line where they still didn't get to participate or they didn't get to share in whatever. And then they found a way to Mm -hmm. make up and do the right thing. Yeah. Unlike our culture today where it's like everybody gets a prize kind of thing, (laughs) no matter what you do. Yeah. Okay, so let's kind of turn a little bit and talk about um, some different renditions, I guess, of the stories. Um, Who is this? Leslie Shirtliff has Mm -hmm. written a couple of uh, junior chapter books on um, the fairy tales. So one is called Red, and it says it's the true story of Red Riding Hood. Okay. I have not read this one. But I did read Rump, the true story of Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Rump. Yep. Uh, okay. It was really good. It was a, a cute little story about how that whole thing came to be. Okay. And um, so was there character development? There was. All right. Character development. And it, you know, it was kind of all mm-hmm. over the place. It didn't just happen, you know, in one place. Yeah. And yeah, it was good. Okay. So, I mean, I would recommend those for adults, too, because they were cute, and mm-hmm. and they they kept your interest. Okay. So, uh, but it was just a different take on the, uh, on the fairy mm-hmm. tale, if, especially if you know what the fairy tale is to begin with, you know, right. I would start with reading that first, and then mm-hmm. read these, so. Okay. Anyway. Cool. Now, there are some YA books, chapter books. Mm-hmm. One of them is called Cinder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you all read well, that? Mm-mm. No, I haven't Cinderella, read Cinderella, of course, as one of the most ubiquitous fairy tales. Mm-hmm. There's lots and lots of versions. Most, A lot of people know about Ella Enchanted, because mm-hmm. there's the movie oh, with yes. Anne Hathaway, and there are some other versions for... For older elementary, early mm-hmm. middle school. Um, so the Princess Diaries would kind of go along with that in a, a way. A little bit with the Anne Hathaway sort of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. a, a little bit like that. Uh, although I kind of look at that one as more of an ugly duckling story than a oh, Cinderella story. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know. Because yeah, she gets she, to be the princess whether she, she has wants a to prince be. or not. Yes. She doesn't have the stepsisters. No. Yeah. But she has part of a family she doesn't know anything about, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Kind of like the Ugly Duckling. Okay, so it's an Ugly Duckling story. There you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Lots of of different versions of that one written. There's a a poetry version that I, what's her name? Kathy Appelt, I think, wrote um, one that's a novel in verse about Cinderella. And then these YA ones, there's a couple of those. I haven't read Cinder, I haven't read Ash by Melinda Lowe, but I know that Ash, I think, is the one where um, she gets away from her stepmother, stepsisters, 
and falls in with a with a girl who is a she calls herself the huntress. Okay. And then they kind of kind of start a relationship. And there's another book after that called Huntress. So Ash and Huntress are together there. Um, I don't really know where Cinder goes, but I know that both of those are, um, you know, there's a lot of character development. There's a lot of those secondary characters, kind of some subplot things going on that that are brought in just to fill out the story and make it really go somewhere. Right. So Well, and there are several books within that series, mm-hmm. so it's not just the one. So I, it, I am okay. curious, now that we're talking about it, yeah. where they do go with mm-hmm. uh, each of those. Mm. Yeah. Well, there are, there are several um, Beauty and the Beast stories. A um, couple of them that I can think of are middle school or high school version, Robin McKinley wrote one about beauty and it it gives a lot of background about who she is um, and kind of where she came, how she came to be in the place where she was and the, the whole story. Um, she's very independent. Mm-hmm. She's very much a um, kind of a heroine herself in the story, as, as Robin McKinley tells it, um, Donna Jo Napoli has written a book called Beast, and it tells that whole story from the perspective of the beast, and so it tells who he is and mm-hmm. how he came to be. In this case, um, he's turned into a tiger. Okay. And it's set in somewhere in the Middle East, and I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember where exactly, but he's Muslim, so there's all that cultural aspect of this story in this yeah. case as well. So it's it's a really interesting take on that story too. Hmm. Really well told. I do not have time to read all these books I want to read. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> there's a there's a story that I don't know the the basic story very well, but I I ran across this novel and then had to go back and kind of catch up. But it's the Goose Girl, and it's another one of those where you know somebody who's poor and in a in a difficult situation finds kind of redemption, and and this is a in this particular story Goose Girl. She's she really is actually a princess, but she was raised some other way um, by some other people outside the the palace, and I don't know why. I don't know if she was in danger or her parents died and somebody else became the royal person or what you know, and, and just got rid of her, put her aside. Mm-hmm. But she grows up in a very poor family, and she takes care of geese. But along the way, she meets some other people and through the process of the story finds out she's really the princess and she should be at the palace. And so there's a novel, um, I think it's a Shannon Hale novel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is it called Goose Girl? Mm -hmm. Okay. And and it takes that story, but, you know, fills out the characters and fills it all out about what's going on with that. So anyway, I thought that was very interesting because I'd never even heard that story before yeah. I ran across the novel. 
read oh. the novel, really uh-huh. liked it, and thought, I need to find out more about this folktale because it says in the, the material with the book, mm-hmm. based on the folktale. And so I had to go find that because yeah. I didn't know anything about it. And what culture was that? I'm not sure. It was generic Western European. Okay. So okay. Nothing more specific than that. I, I keep on thinking about the theme, James Thurber. Okay. Tales that I read one time, and this is great leading into another podcast about humor. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> um, so I may mention this again at a, at a later date. <laughs> but uh, he did a Red Riding Hood. Uh, the, the book was Fables for Our Time, and he did a, it was a Red Riding Hood story retelling. And it was, it's, you know, essentially the same story. Wolf comes, you know, tricks Red Riding Hood, and then she shows up, and and uh, it's not, you know, it's it's the wolf pretending to be Grandma, and what happens is Red Riding Hood gets in her, her basket and pulls out an Uzi and shoots the wolf dead. <laughs> <laughs> and the moral of the story is that little girls are not so easy to fool as they used to be. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So that is really funny. I don't me- I don't remember if there were any other ones in there that were based on mm-hmm. on actual well known tales, but yeah. But it's that all that same kind of like a bunch of just silly stories like yeah. that with with silly morals that mm-hmm. are like this is not really a moral. It's a <laughs> it's a punchline. <laughs> it's a punchline, <laughs> right? <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> so there's a couple of Neil Gaiman. Mm. stories that where he's retold mm-hmm. some fairy tales um one is the sleeper in the spindle which is oh, kind wow. of oh, yeah. uh, snow white and sleeping beauty okay mm-hmm. and so um snow white is you know about to get married and is now the queen and she gets word that there's some kind of sleeping spell that's reaching the outskirts mm. of her kingdom and people are just falling asleep and something has happened. Someone has cursed something, and but it's growing. Like uh, it wasn't just this isolated yeah. incident, and it's getting closer to her, to her kingdom. So she suits up in her armor and <laughs> goes to goes to see what what it is. And the dwarves help her get in without falling asleep. And there's a beautiful princess, and she's asleep, and she's just like, well. Everybody knows this story, yeah. so she goes and she wakes her up, and it turns out that there was a reason she was asleep, because she's <laughs> awful and evil, <gasps> and, <laughs> and now she's got to do something about it. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a, I, I listened to that on audiobook. That was really good. Yeah. I did mm. like that one. We have it in a graphic novel. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. Our adult okay. graphic novel section. And isn't, don't we have a small... Uh, just regular novel of it also? Um, I think it's a part of one of his short story collections. Yeah, uh, okay. A lot of his uh, little retellings are short stories because he also has another Snow White one called Snow Glass Apples. Um, and that one's told more from the Queen's perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, that one is definitely adult. Mm-hmm. And Snow White isn't as great and innocent as everybody thinks she is. So, hmm. let me just say I love Neil Gaiman. I, he's like one of my f- favorite authors that I've just discovered. 
but listening to his audiobooks, if, especially if he's reading it, mm-hmm. is awesome mm-hmm. because of his accent, yeah. and it just puts you in the place. Yeah. I just yeah. love listening to, yeah. to them. So, Well, this reminds me of, of a little kind of side uh, type, I guess, category of folklore that we haven't mentioned. That's Fractured Fairy Tales. And one of my favorites is um, John, I think it's John Sheska, The Frog Prince Continued. Mm-hmm. So it picks up yeah. at the happily ever after at the end of The Frog Prince. And here's the, the, new, the newly minted princess who is watching her husband with a little green around the gills and <laughs> flicks his tongue everywhere whenever he sees a fly fly by. And things are not as peachy as they seem. And goes on from there. So funny. Um, yeah, that's kind of a kind of an interesting little subgenre there, of fractured fairy tales. And and I have learned that there are some parents who want their children to hear funny things like that, and some parents who don't. Because mm-hmm. um, the very first time I used the Frog Prince continued in a story time. Um, one of the parents came up to me afterward just livid mm. that I would ruin fairy tales for her child because by reading stuff like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, fractured fairy tales. <laughs> <laughs> well, so just uh, thinking about some of the new like movies that have come out, like mm-hmm. um, the Wicked and oh yeah, like Snow White. What are the Snow White and the Huntsman? Does yeah. yeah, would that be fractured fairy tales? How where would that fit well, in? I I would consider all those Jeffrey Maguire things. Uh, see, this is this is where it gets. I don't know um, because a lot of Jeffrey Maguire stuff is based on modern fantasy, not on folklore. Because mm. The Wizard of okay. Oz mm-hmm. is modern fantasy. Mm. It's early, early, early modern fantasy, but it's modern mm-hmm. fantasy. So. Mm-hmm. Wicked is clearly based on modern fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, but it is it it, it does kind of go that way. Except that fractured fairy tales, I usually think of as funny or parodies, mm-hmm. not and and whereas okay. Jeffrey Maguire, um, Gregory Maguire, most of his I see he they're very serious. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're not parodying. They're simply looking at new, new perspectives on the story. Mm-hmm. So Wicked is, from, is that whole same story, but from the perspective of the so-called Wicked Witch of the West. And it, it's a new perspective on the same story, but it's not funny by any means. Mm-hmm. It's very serious. Well, and the same with like so. So Snow White and the Huntsman. I don't remember. I mean, I'm remembering the ones with Julia Roberts and then Angelina Jolie um, being the queen in the Snow White version. Okay, but they are not funny either. They're Maleficent. Maleficent. Yeah. That's one. Charlize Theron played the evil queen in the Snow White. And that's right. In with Snow the, White and the Huntsman Kristen with Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. And so there was one that Julia Roberts I thought played. Mirror, mirror. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I found an article that I just wanted to throw in here. And the title, it, this is from The Atlantic, and this was a couple of months ago. It's 
called Why the British Tell Better Children's Stories Than the Americans. Okay, interesting. And here's their premise. Their premise is that British bestsellers of children's books are all about fantasy, whereas in the U.S., our most famous children's books are much more realistic. So here are some of the examples they give. British, The Wind in the Willows, Alice in Wonderland, Winnie the Pooh, Peter Pan, James and the Giant Peach, Harry Potter, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. U.S., Little House on the Prairie, Call of the Wild, Charlotte's Web. Even though it's fantasy, it's not epic fantasy, mm-hmm. it's animals. Mm-hmm. The Yearling, Little Women, Tom Sawyer, not exactly written for kids, but has been kind of co-opted mm-hmm. as, as children's literature. Mm-hmm. So their point is British children hear stories about magic swords and talking bears, and American children hear stories about a life that's hard and you you obey and you follow morality and you'll be successful. Hmm. So how does that correlate to children when they grow up? Well, that's part of what they're talking about here. The the American stories kind of foster our independence and, you know, individualism, Mm -hmm. whereas the British stories are more about let's let's look for the the thing that's gonna be good for everybody and let's try to solve the evil that's in the world and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Gaelic culture so the British stories, we needn't fear the dark side. We just it's part of the world. Those parallel worlds are just part of how we live. But then um, the American stories, it's all about um, success in your in your life and um, having property and a successful farm and those kinds of things. Even our even our folk tales that are clearly American are so often tall tales like Paul Bunyan mm-hmm. in Pegasville. That's the one. Uh, yeah, Pegasville, but I'm like, is that a real person? No, no. he's not a real person. Okay. Pegasville. With his horse, Widowmaker, yes. called Lightning. Which one is it, people? Is it Depends the on who you ask. <laughs> Widowmaker sounds scarier. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? I mean, if his horse is called Widowmaker, then Wow. Mm-hmm. You better watch out. <laughs> Sally Ann, Thunder Ann, Whirlwind, Crockett. Mm-hmm. Marries him. Yeah, that's so, right. So here's the story. Pecos Bill was the baby of a family of pioneers who kept moving west. If there was somebody within five miles that they could see that was too close and his his parents kept moving west and moving west and as they crossed the red river the wagon bumped and the baby dropped out and then he was raised by by wolves or coyotes depending on who you ask and there we go 
even a Pecos Bill or a Paul Bunyan, these are realistic. They're, they're not realistic stories because you wouldn't take a rattlesnake and make a lasso of it. But it's not, there's no magic involved. They're just capable individuals who overcome the elements and are successful. Dynamite was said to be his favorite food. <laughs> nice. So I got raised by a pack of coyotes. Okay. Years later, he was found by his real brother who managed to convince him he was not a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the purpose of this whole thing with, with comparing British and American, it says that this, this person named Griswold, somebody Griswold, has written about why it's important for children to have a fantasy, to be exposed to fantasy. Mm -hmm. Kids think through their problems by creating fantasy worlds in ways adults don't. Mm. Within these parallel universes, things can be solved, shaped, and understood. Just like kids going through hands-on activities, they tend to process their feelings through metaphorical reenactments. So stories serve a purpose beyond pleasure, a purpose encoded in analogies. Story arcs like dreams have an almost biological function. So it turns out that fantasy, that established domain of British children's literature, is critical to childhood development. How about that? C.S. Lewis said something like that. Yeah. That children need fantasy not because they, you know, believe... Believe, they believe in dragons or whatever because they already know dragons exist. Fantasy tells them that dragons can be slain. Right. It doesn't tell them dragons exist. They already think that. Right. It tells them dragons can be slain. Yeah. They can sort through their problems. And and the the final little note here is from this person is that since 9-11 in the U.S., um, dystopian fiction, well... We're, we're seeing a little bit of a move back away from that, but, but after 9-11, dystopian fiction mm-hmm. became really popular here. Mm-hmm. Hunger Games, Divergent, Maze Runner, those kinds of things that are helping us figure out how to live in, a, in kind of this post-apocalyptic world, even though 9-11 didn't physically destroy the world we live in, it absolutely destroyed the society we lived in. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, if children use fairy tales to process their fears, dystopian fantasies, their heroes and heroines may model the hope kids need today to address the scale of problems ahead. That's, that, that is fascinating information. I was going to say, does that explain why I'm so awesome? It must. <laughs> because that's the stuff that I read yeah. when I was young. I didn't read all that. Me Little too. House on the Prairie. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't read that until I was an adult. I've never read it, but <laughs> I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never read Little Women. I'll uh-huh. just say that. I've read Little Women a long, long time ago, and I was yeah. not a fan. <laughs> I tried to pick up, pick it up a couple months ago mm-hmm. and read the first couple chapters, but it's like, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. into this. I'd rather just watch mm-hmm. the movie. Uh, mm, so, not okay. a fan. The movie was okay. I never <laughs> read the book. but Okay. I I thought of just a couple of other stories that I really really like that that I want to mention. Mm-hmm. One is um, from Cuba. It's called Martina and the Beautiful Cockroach. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Martina the beautiful cockroach, not Martina Ann. She is the beautiful cockroach. And it's a story about um, Martina who is who has decided she needs a husband. And so she's going to interview possible candidates. <laughs> and her grandmother gives her some good advice. And the advice is invite them to coffee, I think. Not tea, because I think it's coffee. Mm-hmm. And then... While you're drinking coffee together, spill coffee on them and see how they react. Oh. It's, it's pretty cool. And it's one of those lovely beast tales where they're all insects or, mm-hmm. or reptiles or something. And, um, but, yeah, it comes from Cuba. It's really fun. Hmm. And then there's another one that was kind of groundbreaking in the, I think, the early 70s. It won the Caldecott Award. Um, it's Why Mosquitoes Buzz in People's Ears mm-hmm. by Verna Artema, and it comes from Africa, and I can't tell you where. Good grief. Um, but it is an African folktale. The mosquito lies to the lizard and puts sticks in his ears so he doesn't have to listen to him anymore, and it ends up frightening another animal, which, down the line of panic, mm-hmm. causes the outlet to be killed. The owl is too sad to wake the sun until the animals hold court and find out that the mosquito was responsible. Mm. But he hides Uh. in order to escape punishment. So now it constantly buzzes in people's ears to find out if everyone is still angry at it. Uh. And we are. Uh. And we are. (laughs) And we are. And we continue to swat it away. Yep. Maybe if you'd quit talking about it. (laughs) All that buzzing is what makes me angry. Uh Yeah. And stinging. Mm-hmm. But you know. So it's a good cause and effect story. Yeah. You've been listening to the Long Overdue Podcast from Decatur Public Library. Thanks for listening. Join us again. Mm-hmm.